gentlemen, welcome to episode 52 of the Whatever You Show. We have so much news for you this week, and we've got a couple of helpers to uh, get it out there to you. So I'm Eddie, as usual. Matt. I am Sam. Bryce. Yeah. Uh, and guys, he's I not we were... the, the Sam from the movie that's kind of retarded or anything. No. Well, I mean, he's you never guys, been in a movie. I'm kind of he's glad about that because Sean Penn is fucking scary. Yeah, I mean... He didn't beat any women on the way over here, is what I'm saying. Yeah. I yeah. could have, but I really made the conscious choice to not do it. Yeah. yeah. Thanks yeah. for that. Thanks. You're welcome. Um, since this is uh, episode 52, that means next week we start with uh, whatever he rebirth. Yeah, we just Ooh. do it all over oh, again. All right. We bring back Sexy the best man. parts Fucking of uh, the universe before we did our 52 episodes. Does that mean we Which ditch is- these two and get Marv back? <laughs> Apparently those were the episodes that don't exist. Um, the best part were the, the ones that were silent, I guess. Shall we start off the the show with a um, you know lots of fun and uh, lighthearted you know Laughter. humor and just you know all that stuff? Nope, I want to depress the shit out of people. Right. Tell, tell a Do joke it. first, asshole. Um, Gene Wilder walks into a bar. <laughs> <laughs> no, he doesn't. No, he dead. doesn't. He doesn't. He's dead. <laughs> I mean, it, we're not necessarily laughing about the death of Mr. Gene Wilder, but... Um, well, I mean, we we are, though. We are, though. <laughs> I mean, yeah. We're, uh, we're more than sons you. of bitches. No, that, that one was, yeah. Gene, rest in peace, Wilder. Yeah. Um, that, you know, it's funny. That middle was, name is on point. Wow. <laughs> His parents Very must have been really right? thinking ahead. They were like, hey, you know, in about 83 years, he's going to die, so we might as well, you know, rest in peace right yeah. now. Yeah. 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 Um. So yeah, Gene Wilder died. Blazing Saddles. Uh, I mean, of course, Willy Wonka. Willy young Wonka, Frankenstein. Young yeah. Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Um, all the stuff with Richard Pryor. You know, all that. Just. But uh, for me, it's Blazing Saddles. Yeah, I, I remember watching that with my dad and laughing my ass I'm off. Probably and that was two days ago. I'm probably more familiar with Willy Wonka, but I mean, Blazing same, Saddles is a same. classic, obviously. Yeah. Uh well, and the thing about Willy Wonka, which is great, is you watch it as a kid, and it hits on a certain level. I mean, it scares the crap out of you, but it hits on a certain level as a kid's movie. And then you watch it as an adult, and all the dark adult humor comes out, and you're like, this is fucked up. Yeah. So, this is what gets me, though. All the Facebook posts that I saw, like, the day he died and the day after and whatnot about, like, you can finally be with Gilda again. That's all well and good. But never mind the wife that he married two years after Gilda died and was married to the day he died. Like, she's got to feel like shit, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, so, like, that's that's how hard you had to go to get away from that bitch. Like, he just offed himself so he could go back to his first wife. Well, and the thing that, like, there was that. And also it talked about how he was, uh, it was complications due to Alzheimer's. And I, I, I just want to say he was fucking old. He's 83 years old. He lived a big old, huge, as Kevin Smith would say, bucket of win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Alzheimer's sucks, dude. It doesn't yeah. matter how good your life was before you got it. Like once you get it, like it's yeah, yeah. If you can remember what your life was, trust me, I'm I'm down the hall from two memory care units where I work, and uh, oh, I've got some. We've got some personal experience, fam- familial experience. Yeah, it's mm. it's not fun. So, yeah. um, yes, he had a very successful career, and we're 
uh, forever indebted to him for gracing us with that. But uh, but that's a shitty way to go. Yeah. Well, let's bring this up a notch. Uh, nope. Uh, unfortunately, in, in sadder news. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, the world lost another legend uh, uh, this last week too, and that was uh, Michael Leder. Or letter. Letter. Probably because he's English. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. My suspicion. Letter. Letter. Michael Letter. And you're probably sitting at home going, what? Who? Who the fuck's yeah. that? No. He's, if you watch uh, um, Star Wars A New Hope, of course, uh, there's a scene where a stormtrooper rather famously runs into a low-hanging door, bumps his head right on, on the, the door as it's coming down or something like that. Yeah. Completely unscripted, but uh, so well-known and, and widely appreciated that when they did the... Uh, Special editions back in the 90s, they actually added sound to it, so you can hear him bump his head now. Yeah. Rather than doing everything else that George Lucas did, which is to take out all the little fuck-ups that we loved. Yeah. yeah. No, they actually well, that, put that in and highlighted it a little bit better. So. I really think mm. they, that characterizes the originals before they did the the editions and the remakes of this one. It Trust me, as somebody who served on board a U.S. naval vessel, you hit your head all the damn time. I find uh, that you hit your shins more. Uh Oh no! No, it's, Sam hits his knees a you lot. You don't find anything. Yeah. <laughs> no, you, you're going to hit your head, and it's just, it like and this is some authenticity, you know, and it re- I, you really appreciate it. They called him Petty Officer Knee Pads, actually. <laughs> I I just thought it was funny that they actually left this in, and especially with the special editions, because that seems exactly like the type of thing that Lucas would take way too serious and be like, "We must cut out every little." Tiny this isn't plot. the perfect yeah. movie. Yeah, people yeah. are making fun of my movie. Yeah. Was George Lucas was, slash David was, Lynch? Yeah, yeah the was, meanest sounding be like, Lucas I've ever heard. David Lynch made Star Wars. What? Uh. Hello, everybody. This is my sci-fi space opera. <laughs> Could you imagine Star Wars as a David Lynch movie? I mean, Dune was twisted, but I think Star Wars would just be all twisted. Yeah, baby. So, Michael Letter, um, you know. Uh, good good thing that they left it in the film. I don't know. Does anybody have any personal personal stories they'd like to share of how Michael Letter got you through a difficult this, time in your life? Was this a result of complications from a, a head injury? Yeah. <laughs> it was slow onset concussion for the last uh, 35 years or so. I, I, I don't have a personal story, but I did watch a guy running through a, a hallway when I was in the Navy just nail his head. On, on a doorway and I actually thought of this scene when it happened <laughs> and so uh, yeah it was great Once watching a guy get laid out on some non-skid I mean, I mean you Dude. guys you guys mentioning the whole uh, that whole thing actually reminded me of the guy that took Regan's bullet and died like a few years back and they charged whoever shot him in the 80s with murder <laughs> and, and they're apparently letting him out this week uh no he was out a couple weeks ago actually. yeah something yeah. like that like, so head related injuries george <laughs> nice. lucas killed this man do you that's, guys have no i know that's what i'm george saying lucas i want to hear the passion in your voice george lucas has killed a lot of things including our hopes and dreams mm. our childhoods our childhoods mm. yeah yeah, yeah, so there's, there's another long line <laughs> in the string of tragedies. That to, is... to paraphrase Ian Malcolm from Jurassic Park, what you call the special editions, I call the rape of the natural world. Yes, <laughs> indeed. There's On... a reason why episode one was not a new hope <laughs> or anything hopeful at all. <laughs> it was it was actually completely and utterly lacking you, in hope, uh, on, weirdly on, enough. On the subject of the prequels, did you listen to the Kevin Smith podcast about the, a different way to look at the prequels? Uh, with mushrooms 
Uh, no, uh, he was talking with Stone, but yeah. um, <laughs> he was talking with somebody I can't remember who it was, and they were talking about viewing the prequels through the lens of of a director. The, yeah, it was a director. Like no, it's through not, the lens of it's the not it, the movie he wanted to make, and as a director, that's the kind of thing that like will bother you and bother you. But here's here's what George Lucas fails to understand. You are completely interrupting what I was going to say because I'm yes, not going to say that at all. Because this is what I'm going to the point I'm going to make because there are no excuses for it. I didn't say there was. I was saying this was an interesting take on behalf of Kevin Smith. And what I'm going to say is that George Lucas has forgotten the cardinal rule and that is Star Wars is not his. And it hasn't been his since before he sold it to Disney. Star Wars is mine and yours and everybody else who spent their childhoods watching it. <laughs> That's a little uh pre- <laughs> prepossessing, I guess you could say. I don't know. Um no, for me though, the point he made was this: is those three movies were about the failure of the Jedi Order, pure and simple. They're shitty movies, but you can take a bunch of stuff out, and if you watch it through that prism as a failure of a bureaucratic system, you know, a bureaucracy. I mean, yeah, it, it changes no, it just I don't a little think bit. That's like a revelation. Like, yeah, no, but it changes it a little bit when you become conscious of it. George but Lucas. We knew the Jedi Order was going to fail. Right? It's an Ayn George Lucas was reading Ayn Rand. Right? It's an Ayn Rand fucking movie. That makes sense. Totally. We knew the Republic was going to fail, and it was engineered to fail by Palpatine, so it's not like the system was failing before they got there. Well, yeah, but the Jedis could have done a lot more, and they could have done a better job of preventing it, but they didn't. They technically weren't supposed to, though, because the Jedi aren't part of the government. They're they're independent contractors. This is the story about that, though, (laughs) about that failure. And you take it from square one. Like, if you had never, ever seen the original trilogy, you probably you wouldn't have hated this prequel trilogy. No, I still would have. Yeah. In fact, if I hadn't have, if I hadn't have seen the original it was trilogy, bad sci-fi. I think I would have hated it even more. All right. It, we, we, we cannot end the, the show without more depressing news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Yeah, there we go. Let's get the... Jerry Heller, um, as uh, as brilliantly portrayed by uh, Paul Giamatti in the movie Straight Outta Compton, uh, has died. Not Paul Giamatti, mind you, but in Jerry his Heller. Minivan. Um, I forget what Ice Cube called him. Something about a, a Jew. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he he was an asshole that that took advantage of all those guys and made a fuckload of money off of them and easy. And then uh, and then sued the piss out of him after the the movie came out. In fairness, though, that movie did not portray him negatively until later on in the career. Like it actually portrayed him as being a positive influence and a help for them to get noticed. Up and, until the point where. Easy E had a good contract and nobody else did. Yeah, yeah, and he was the only one getting getting helped out. Also, AIDS. AIDS. He also yeah. got that. Well, yeah. AIDS. He got a good contract and AIDS. That's well, one with the other, a hand in hand. Sometimes. It's like a monkey's paw wish. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's all crinkle. And for the next wish, I want a magical sandwich, and yeah. that gives you cancer. But you shit. get AIDS. Yeah, AIDS. AIDS. I was saying the quote that Rolling Stone got regarding the death of Jerry Heller was was from MC Ren who nobody has heard quoted from since you know <laughs> 1995 <laughs> and he said yeah he's all right dude said from god we come and to god we return hey there fucking, we go that's fucking profound for him profound See, i thought words you, you know MC when you're Ren. pulling a it's weird uh, that his career didn't go farther after that all right that's what I was I was just going to say I thought when you pull like some obscure guy like that it was going to be for him to be like yeah fuck that guy cuz that's way better news than um... cuz I'm pretty sure DJ Yella went on farther than MC Ren did. Yeah. Uh yeah, I'm pretty sure D- uh MC Yella was uh DJ DJ Yella, excuse me, was still being used by uh Dr. Dre 
And it was yellow. And you sounded really white. I am white. Fuck you. You said MC yellow. Yellow? <laughs> yeller. Yeller. MC Yeller, MC you know yeller. that feller? But yeah, he was still... You know I think guy, he and Dr. You? Dre were still collaborating up in, at least until... I don't know, maybe The Chronic Part 2? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I try and forget The Chronic Part 2 happened. Well, I mean... The Chronic 2000. I just, yeah. Folks, when you tune into this show... And you you took a look at the the pictures of the, you know the super white hosts who normally talk about comic nerdery. Wait, there's did, pictures? It, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> did, did, you, did you think we were going to go down like the extended history of the NWA? I, I can tell you. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I listened to a lot of gangster rap after I watched that movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, it's I, a solid week's worth of gangster rap. It was definitely a I make, solid. Week's I make worth. fun, but I, like I, I legit like listened to a lot of this music growing up. So I, I, uh, I, I listened. I did listen to. Um, I did listen to uh, a lot of uh, Cube back yeah. in the day. Yep. For me, it was like, Westside Connection. Yeah, NWA led into uh, Snoop Dogg and things like that. For me, Cube was good. But Ice T Cop Killer was that the one that I found because of NWA, which is weird because Ice T wasn't part of NWA at all. I know, right? <laughs> no, I, I really liked um, like uh, Tribe Called Quest and that kind of thing leading up into the, like the gangster rap era. And then, which, of course, NWA came up and Snoop and Biggie and all that kind of stuff. On so. this vein, uh, apparently Tribe Called Quest is going to be on the Luke Cage soundtrack on the upcoming dude Netflix. It's supposed yeah. to be just a. Out of this world soundtrack. We Twenty-seven already, days, y'all. We were already totally excited because um, the the one trailer they released with, of Luke Cage so far, I think, was uh, Wu Tang on the soundtrack. Yep. So of it's course, Wu Tang gets an honorable mention here. Uh, Man, yeah. Anyway, I, though, I didn't know they were making a show for that for that guy from Mortal Kombat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they are. He doesn't even have the metal arms, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was Jax. That's Jax. That's Jax. That's fine because I'm obviously making a stupid fucking joke anyway. Like you can play off of that stupid joke. That's you don't that's have to what berate I was, Eddie. That's what I was doing. That's what I was doing. Like I, was I don't saying, know the Mortal characters. <laughs> give me a look. Give me a look. I love. Yeah. He's just hang. Oh, Thank there we go. You. There we go. All right. All right. So back so, on track. Let's. This talk about is how we nerdy. bring the death of Jerry. What's his face from NWA into the nerd world by talking about oh. Luke Cage. Yeah, we're like. 13 degrees of separation from Luke Cage, I guess. 1,300. <laughs> Something. See, Something. Luke Cage is a black guy, and you know who's also a black guy? Most of the members of NWA. All of the members? Probably all of the members. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah. So, I'm yeah. pretty yeah. sure yeah. all of them were. Yeah. Yeah. Because there wasn't a white rapper until like Eminem. <laughs> uh, no. Vanilla Ice, motherfucker. All right. So we're, let's get back to our normal nerdery for a little bit. We've got some villain news uh, for the Flash movie. Um, oh, this that's is the, exciting. That's the the uh, um, who's not Grant Gustin? What's that guy's name? Ezra Miller. Stoner. Ezra Miller. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah, man. That's yeah. why we brought you in. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I remember so, random stupid shit. Yeah. Ezra Miller's Flash uh, will have the villain, or rather, I should say, villains. It's it's widely rumored that they're going to be the Rogues now. And yeah. from what I've read. Uh, because Captain Boomerang, we already know who's playing that. It's Jai Courtney. Uh, from what I've read, a lot That's of people solid. are guessing that, or they're supposing that he's gonna, they're gonna do a really creepy version of him, and it's supposed to be just like he's one of the main guys as Captain Cold, but it's just really creepy. I don't know. This is what I've been reading online, and it sounded weird to me. You know, here's the thing for DC, just in general, like they keep kind of trying to go down this like we got to be original and edgy and like yeah, you know that kind edgy. of path. 
Yeah, the whole edgy. It's got to be dark. Remember the Dark Knight? The Dark Knight came out like almost ten years ago. We got to do that again, dude. They they need to fucking get over it because Marvel's eating their lunch uh, left and right, and, except for in the DC Rebirth books, which is like legitimately my favorite series of comics out right now. And the reason is basically because they embrace the fact that they are, you know, they embrace their heritage essentially. Mm-hmm. They, there's somebody just needs to figure that shit out for the movies because that's the problem. There's a weird schism, and on one side, Marvel is kicking the shit out of everybody when it comes to doing comic book movies but their comic books are kind of mediocre these days but then on the other side of that schism you have dc that can't fucking make a successful movie yeah i was just gonna say i wouldn't even i'd say mediocre is probably being generous but it's doing great when yeah. it comes to actually publishing comic books and the tv series that well, they do is pretty good uh, except for the, the one TV that's series manned is- by guggenheim the tv series are kind of uh, are cleaning up their movies are just shit the books are great and i think it, when you're reading Marvel, read Vision. Vision is absolutely phenomenal. But mm-hmm. um, Old Man Logan is really good too. But yeah, I enjoy Old Man Logan. What I read of it. But um, I think what you, we have to look at, is, and this might be what it is, is maybe the comics are lacking on Marvel's side because they're trying to, like, it's that MC universe, you know, the MCU, and the movies are their cash cow, and so they're trying to tie everything into the movies now, and maybe that's what it's going to be, and that's why the comics are mediocre. You know, I don't really part know. Of it, part of it's that because honestly, they're they're making a conscious effort to kill the X Men franchise because they don't own the movie rights to it. So they're just like, well, fuck those guys. Yeah, um, which is terrible because honestly, stupid X Men movies will drive people to buy the comic books, and if you're producing good comic books, then people will keep buying the comic books. Dude, yeah, no just, shit. Just take a look at on the opposite side of the fence here. You got the Green Arrow book, um, which is selling in fantastically large record numbers, more than Arrows Green Arrows ever sold. Uh, Green and, Arrow Rebirth went into a second printing uh, for the first time, and that's in off the, forever. And that's off the well, backs of a shitty TV show. The shitty Arrow, fucking Green Arrow run. On yeah, the I comics, tried so. to find the Green Not Arrow shitty, Rebirth shitty. number one. And this was a week after it dropped. I missed it on the first week. The week after it dropped, every store I went to was out of Green Arrow number one. So let me tell you a little secret about the Rebirth books. They're um, limited runs. Yeah, I know. It wasn't that they were limited runs. I mean, every comic book is a limited run of mm-hmm. some sort. But <laughs> what? What happened? What happened was when the New Fifty Two came out, comic stores bought shitloads of the number ones mm-hmm. because they figured they would sell like hotcakes. And they didn't. So when the when DC announced Rebirth and they started dropping Rebirth, like every comic book store was like, well, we'll get one or two copies because yeah. we didn't sell any of the last ones. And then all of a sudden the books are good and people can't find them because they didn't order enough copies. Well, it's just like Matt, yep. you just said a few minutes ago, like uh, Green Arrow went into a second printing. And I think I remember when we talked about this on the show that that has like practically never happened in Green Arrow. Well, here's the sad part. It sold 90,000 copies, and, and it required a second printing. Back in the heyday of, of comic books, like in the mid-'90s, like if a book didn't sell 300,000 copies, it was getting canceled. Yeah. So, mm. I mean, that's where we're at in terms of publishing. And and yeah, honestly, but, they're not making money off of the books anymore. Look I mean, at they newspaper do. readership. I mean, comparatively, print media in general is way down from what it was just because the internet's so That's that's ridiculous. the thing is we are we are seeing kind of an uptick in and, digital downloads and some fucking pirate assholes just download all the comics without actually buying them anyway. Those I mean, I don't of, know what sort of, a, of bitches. what sort of a morality-free asshole would do something like that. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> If I ever see Because all mine are sitting in a box at the comic store waiting for me, so... <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, anyway... Be that as it may. <laughs> well, be that as it may, indeed. Um, 
you know the thing that I like about the comic books and the thing that I wish that they would really understand about the comic books is especially when we're talking about movie properties is the comics can really be like a good test bed for all of the crazy shit you want to do in movies like most of the movies that we've that have come out and that we've really really enjoyed are pretty heavily based in some section of the comics um the the you know the key part being there's a whole bunch of shitty like iron man comics too there's a whole bunch of comics um that make no sense and totally suck about Captain America. Uh, well, and let's talk about so many stories you can pick the great ones that diverge from the comic. You look at uh, you look at the Suicide Squad movie, which for me I enjoyed the movie. It wasn't a good fucking movie, but I enjoyed it. I One of us hasn't seen it. Seen it. Yeah, just sorry, throwing that out there. I haven't either. Oh, two of us haven't seen it. Two of us. Fuck you guys. Fuck you guys in your asses. Maybe later. I mean, if you, if you <laughs> We've like. got a couple more drinks to go. <laughs> Anyways, Speaking it di- which? to me, the movie diverged from the source material. Which I yeah, th- but here's the thing about the Suicide Squad. And I'm not going to go into specifics about the movie because I don't want to spoil it for anybody who yeah, is going to sure. eventually see it when it comes out on home video. Probably. Uh, <laughs> you seen? Dollar dollar I haven't box. seen anybody. Even like you, I haven't you know seen how many anybody. Different that's been origins like, for the Suicide Squad. Oh yeah, there's like, so you many. You can't do like a hard origin for Suicide Squad. No. They they took liberties with Iron Man, but they they kept yeah. What they did is they kept true to. The story of what makes Iron Man Iron Man. Spirit of the character. The spirit right. of the character. Mm-hmm. Um, Suicide Squad. The problem is, is that it involves characters that should have already had an origin. Yeah, at least some of them. Deadshot yes. should have had an origin. Yes, Harley should have had an origin. Which I'd watch a Deadshot movie. Um, they ass raped the character of the Joker so much that. So here's here's the question. They ass the, the ass raving you're referring to is the fact that they left most of his stuff on the floor. I want to see the stuff I, that was left on I the floor. I don't think so. I want to see it. I d- before I, don't. I make that hard judge, like the soft judgment that I'm making is, I think the character was weak. I think the character does not was not filled out, and I think it like it had potential. <laughs> Do you know who the Joker isn't? Jared Leto, Scarface. Yeah. No. Yes. No. Yeah. I fucking. That's all agree. I'm gonna say. That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to fucking agree. I mean, guys, we've been calling this shit since we got the first leak picture or the first real picture, the first press picture. We've been saying that the Joker portrayal here is going to suck. And I, again, haven't really heard anything against that. So, like, I don't I don't doubt that Leto did an amazing stand-up job with the uh, character that he was given. Problem is the character sucks. Yeah. Like, yeah. Even I'm, if all of his best shit's on the floor, his best shit still sucks because it's a sucky uh, concept. I'm absolutely not holding Leto responsible for the Joker like I did Eisenberg with Luthor. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's just everybody involved in Eisenberg's Luthor should be ashamed of themselves. But uh, I'm ashamed of you. I called Eisenberg By and I called proxy, I yeah, called this sure. this particular portrayal of the Joker and I'm sticking I'm sticking by it. So. Um, but that's I. I didn't give it. I actually thought the story of Suicide Squad was good. I, I thought the movie itself was good, with the exception of that one thing. I didn't like the. It, I think it was a the Enchantress angle was a cop out and. It, whoa, whoa, whoa! Are you gonna spoil some shit now? I said the Enchantress oh, okay. angle, fuckhead. Well, now I'm waiting what? for an angle. I didn't like the villain, and I didn't like the the motive. Like I just thought it was weak and contrived, and there were aspects of it that I liked. I yes, really did. Shallow and pedantic, absolutely, <laughs> quite. I, I, but it, to me, though, it felt forced. The villain did, and I really felt like they could have gone on and done something different. 
I still think that the the, the Suicide villain? Squad, based on what I'm hearing, is is just that DC is again trying to rush this shit. Like they're just trying they're trying to slam into home plate, you know, without taking their time and rounding the bases. Like the, the, we've uh, you even watch baseball. <laughs> no, that was that right. <laughs> it's like no, and then the fight. bowler steps up to the plate and <laughs> hits with the cricket, whatever. Anyway, um, <laughs> right between the wickets again. Go sports team, yes, <laughs> sports, yes, hooray. Yeah. No, I was going for like a uh, you know the classic like uh, first base, second base, like whether or not you touch the. And, movie and I really thing. agree with you because this movie in it, <laughs> in the end was a vehicle for Harley Quinn. Which Margot Robbie, I really think she did a good job, and it was supposed to be a vehicle for the Joker, and it just died on that front. See, but I'm just saying, like the Joker has no place getting his origin story in a Suicide Squad movie, or no. getting his introduction in a Suicide Squad movie, the especially Joker... not the way that they portrayed him. No. Yeah, um, and like you guys are saying, you know, there are so many characters in here that could support their own movies to begin with that they're shoving oh, you know that what? many people in. You know, the, the Joker, and this is me just thinking about it right now. Really, you could you take the tattoos away, you make them a little bit shorter, a little bit fatter. Probably wouldn't have been a good penguin. He is a mob boss. Yeah. So that makes a little more sense. Yeah. Well, okay, hold on. Definitely hold on. would have been a good penguin. Hold on. Let's back up a little bit. What if they wanted to make this version of Joker perverted similarly to the way that Batman was in Batman versus Superman? No. It didn't fucking work. I didn't see it. I'm saying also. Though. Also, here's the thing: Leto would have had to have been the Joker when he was 11 for Batman to have been fighting him for as long as he alludes to in Batman vs Superman. Dude, uh, no, no, no. Leto, Leto just straight up has discovered the Fountain of Youth and is hoarding that shit. He's like 45 mm. or something. like I that. I understand how old he is, but have you seen Keanu Reeves? Yeah, that motherfucker too. John Wick. Yeah, I right? can't wait for the sequel. Wait for that. Oh, John Wick yeah. too. See, yeah. there's gonna be some heavy. Oh, oh, that's gonna be like, great. Like, Love it. <laughs> it's it. This is this is where we are when it comes to DC comic book movies. Like Justice League's coming out next year, and I'm like, yeah. I mean, I'm gonna watch it. I'm excited for John Wick too. <laughs> but then, like a Keanu Reeves movie's out, and I'm like, fuck yes. <laughs> well, I don't know about you, but when it comes to that DC, uh, when it comes to Justice League movie, I've got a fucking huge ass heart on for Jason Momoa as Aquaman. I really do. I kind of hoped you were going to say as, as big as, as the Wonder one that Woman, we read in that yeah. comic book that we're going to talk about later. Oh yeah, <laughs> mm, mm. Uh, oh, probably yeah. bigger actually. Rod. Well, it'd be hitting the table. I think if that was the case, <laughs> quite the chef. You can't. So hear that? Here's, here's the big question from Suicide Squad though: Is did Will Smith make the right choice? I think so. I think so. I, I think so. Honestly, here's here's my thing when it comes to uh, Will Smith. I was really, really not looking forward to seeing him as Deadshot because I was like, oh, it's a Will Smith vehicle. Mm-hmm. And then when I when I actually got there, like he and Margot Robbie are the only characters with real depth in the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So um, this this movie was supposed to be a vehicle for Margot Robbie and Jared Leto, and it ended up being a vehicle for Margot Robbie and Will Smith. And the wow. thing is, is no, Deadshot. We'll happens, this yeah. is a movie that made a character in Deadshot that I would watch an entire movie around. Let's be him. honest, though. If you if if you put Will Smith in a movie and it's not with one of his fucking kids, it's a Will Smith vehicle. Like. There was never a chance that he was going to be like, oh, and Will Smith's in that movie, by the way. Like, well, to me, the, the advertising when I'm it came down to I'm just glad that Willow wasn't actually his daughter in the movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, dude. Good fucking call on that. Yeah. Woo. Um, no, like, when I was watching the previews for it, like, for me, Deadshot, while he wasn't the secondary character, he wasn't the main character. Uh, to me, I felt like this was definitely a vehicle for Jared Leto and Margot Robbie mm-hmm. with Will Smith there to beef it up. Is it really Roby? I yeah. don't think it is. Because you keep saying that. It's Roby. 
It's Robbie. Roby. It's got two B's in it. I've heard saying. it both ways. It's Roby. She's fucking Australian. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, because she says Robbie. it with an accent, we have to say it Just wrong. Just because she says it wrong, we have to, too. <laughs> it's her fucking name, asswipes. <laughs> You're uh, clipping. You're all clipping. I'm sorry. Fucking faces. It play. just sounds so like. Sorry. So yeah, Grace, he's playing with robots again. We, we've got we've got flash villains. Uh, that's where that, <laughs> uh, Captain, uh, Captain Cole. Boomerang was in. Yeah, Captain Boomerang was in Suicide Squad. To be and fair, I so we're actually, not really. You think that's actually gonna, they're going to pull that a little? Yeah. They would have to. Same universe. Yeah, it's the same yeah. universe. And Ezra Miller was in it. Well, uh, I, I think I didn't tell him about that because that wasn't actually. Well, now I know that. <laughs> yeah, so let's shut the fuck up about Suicide Squad. So, yeah. which mic is Sam on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, so, next up on the docket. So, uh, we're an hour in and we've talked about one thing. Well, I mean, <laughs> like and three. a bunch of dead people. We, we talked about dead people. <laughs> True. Uh, I put this in the show notes and I don't know if you guys have seen it. We can pause and watch it if oh, you haven't because it's no, really this funny. Was fucking masterful. Yeah, let's let's pause and watch it because yeah, I don't watch it. Yeah, okay. Uh, let's move back so I can mark it real fast. Why did Wait, you put a mobile link in there? Because that's what I was on when I was doing it. You the thing. douche. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, right in on. the show notes this week, we got a little video from uh, the the Thor, the God of Thunder himself. Um, they've they've actually put out a little video with the help of you know Marvel Studios explaining just what uh, uh, Thor, hey, the God of Thunder, has Darryl been up to. Helped. Yeah, during during the events of Civil War, why why Darryl was Thor and not there and, and Banner, the main character, essentially? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Daryl really is a central role in what has been going on with Thor in his life. I mean, Thor's got. He's got shit going on. That's that oh, yeah. much is clear. That much is clear. Definitely. For sure. Um honestly, yeah, he's been doing a lot of research on the Infinity Gems mm-hmm. yeah. and the purple guy in the chair and what Who he's discovered. Like to stand up. Doesn't, yeah, no, we've no discovered that up. he doesn't like to stand. <laughs> yeah. So Yeah, so I we don't yeah, want a crazy re- glove thing with all those with all those, with all gems, those gems in it. Yeah. In a shocking turn of events, we at the Whatever Show are not going to ruin all the jokes for this. Uh you should actually just go check out the link in the show notes cuz it's super funny. Yeah. It was yeah. really well done. I we, really we ruined it. enough of the jokes. And don't yeah. be like me and get all pissy cuz it's mobile link cuz apparently it works even on a computer. Yeah, isn't that weird? It's amazing yeah. how programmers have Could- made it so that it can tell what but kind of device you're on. We do also have a new way for you to get in touch with us here at the Whatever Show too, and that is if you don't have email, you just you can send a Raven. Yeah, <laughs> I the... promise we'll get it. Yes, um, especially if it's a white Raven. It yeah. actually it's it's kind of a three eyed Raven. Fucking it's, winter's it's here. Kinda, I was just gonna say it's it's dual duty because if 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 winter is coming where you're at, you right. can also send a Raven. Mm. Yeah, can we eat the Raven if we're out of food? I would never eat a raven because that's the soul of it, someone. Well, it's like a flying rat too. Yeah. Oh, other than that, it's the soul of a flying rat. No, I don't know. we'll see. Soul. I'd eat a raven. Yeah. Okay. Next Never up, uh, uh, let's talk about. Uh, let's let's take a trip down Abydos Lane. Um. Abydos. Yeah. This is this is fun. Um, I don't know how you did things because normally we have things separated by company. There's and not everything's a single. Just- Okay, just, first off, you did this as much as I did this. All I did was throw two links in there. Hey, let's not in random places. No, the whole show we should have just put that misc title up there. That should just go right at the top. But we have more than one Pokemon story. <laughs> That's all okay, I'm saying. Okay, fine. We'll 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 do both Pokemon stories at the same time, and I'll move them in post. That's right, guys. Podcasting magic. Well, the Pokemon is actually in its own category. I did that right. Just so you know. Well done. So, all right, all right. So, Abydos. Yeah. Who knows where Abydos is? I do. It's in the Stargate universe. Yeah. Uh, otherwise known as the Stargate TV shows and movie. Um, this isn't actually anything uh, pertaining necessarily to Stargate, except for um, some 
museum in uh, the Netherlands or, you know, one of those countries is not us. Uh, one of the cool ones. Yeah, they actually hired a company to 3D print them a life-size Stargate. What? Yeah, and just, it's, it's just a video of, of it showing them, like, 3D printing all the little pieces and putting them all together to build, like, a giant ring. Yeah. <laughs> First off, I just, like, uh, I, I constantly see things like this and wonder what am I doing with my life because there's a job out there apparently just making Stargates. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, first I think you need to get a 3D printer. <laughs> Took over a thousand working hours to make the Stargate, but, you know. I feel like they could have just contacted the prop guys in Hollywood or whatever and been like, hey. No. MGM could use the cash. You they guys probably got one of those rolling around still. <laughs> They, or, they may not actually, because MGM that, seriously like auctioned everything. Yeah. With a cosplayer who knows how to work EVA foam, I'm pretty sure they made that with like some plywood and some paint for much less, much, much fewer than a thousand man hours. But this one was 3D printed. Definitely 3D. Yeah, 3D but they got, 3D print organs now. Well, so who gives a hey, fuck about Stargate? It's got all the right buzzwords. It goes in the show notes. Yeah. Absolutely. What are okay. the buzzwords that an article has to have? I just so I'm um, basically it just has to have something to do with something nerdy. Well, yeah. with Matt, Stargate is enough of a buzzword. Yeah, it was a uh, thing. Yeah. It was a thing that Eddie we like Stargate too. It's yeah. uh, not our fault that you guys aren't down. First off, I watched the movie. The movie was great. I yeah, couldn't bring I just... myself to watch the fucking show, though. I'm sorry. Stargate SG One was amazing. Stargate SG One actually, I think for me, eclipses the movie. It does, like by several orders of magnitude. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I, I liked what I watched. I just I you know. am waving my hands in consternation. Mm-hmm. Back here on the right side, we of the can table. actually yeah. see him. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you just listening to this podcast, that's what I meant to say. Which is everyone else but the ones participating. <laughs> uh, it's mostly fine. We'll put video up. <laughs> no, you yeah. won't. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, it's just a it's just a fun video to watch about them making a Stargate. It, it helps remind us that Stargate is a thing that existed and that we will want more of it. Actually, it talks about that in the article. Yeah, it specifically talks about how when you when you say the word sci-fi, like Stargate might not be the first thing that comes to mind, but maybe it should be. Yeah. So I have it is, heard rumblings about a remake slash addition to the Stargate universe. Yeah. Here's the thing about that: Roland Emmerich has a trilogy uh, yeah. planned for it. I'm hoping Wait, it wasn't this... hinging on the success of Independence Day. I was going to say, is this the same uh, Independence <laughs> Maybe Will Smith should Emmerich? have chosen that instead. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, yeah. I'm anyway, hoping. Because that and, first movie was... I, I really enjoyed it. First off, the first movie wasn't bad at all, but uh, the thing with it, the show is we got 10 seasons of SG-1. We got another three or four seasons of Atlantis 4, I think. Five seasons of Atlantis. Five seasons of Atlantis. Two seasons of Universe, if anybody seasons, watched it. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, honestly, I didn't care for Universe at all. But, you know, basically 14 seasons to build up this universe. And, and I really like the universe that we came to get out of that. And I think it's really well suited to TV. Like, as far as sci-fi goes, it's a little bit like Star Trek in that basically anything can happen. Like, you can run into all kinds of different shit. And that's almost like the, you know, like the Stargate is the different, you know, rather than having a spaceship, it's the MacGuffin that gets us to find all these fantastic situations. Um and so it's I'm honestly a one of the because the Emmerich thing is like they're going to throw that all out and just do another. It's thing. it's honestly one of the only um one of the only sci-fi series that goes out of its way to explain why all the people that they encounter on other worlds are humanoid. Huh. Mm-hmm. Generation next generation did that too though. Yeah, kind of. No, they straight up did. I mean, <clears throat> I liked that they tied in the the reason with in in Stargate with like the movie and all that kind of stuff. The other thing about Stargate that I really enjoyed too was the character of Jack O'Neill that was portrayed by Kurt Russell in the movie was portrayed by 
Richard Dean Anderson in the show, and, and I, he actually brought it down just a notch so that the character was enjoyable to watch for eight out of those ten seasons because he wasn't in the last two. Yeah. Not much anyway. Um, and then Michael Shanks, who plays Dr. Daniel Jackson, took what James Spader did in the movie and really made it his own character throughout the entire run of that show, minus season six when we got Cora Nemec, also known as Parker Lewis. Yeah. Man, you I almost remembered that. Imagine if Spader would come back, though. I mean... It would not have been as good as Michael Shanks. No, 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 no. Not not then, but like in the new ones by Roland Emmerich. It wouldn't I'm actually surprise me well, at What's all. he going to play, Jack O'Neill? Because yeah. that's the that's the kind of person he is now. Like, he's not a little nerdy dude anymore. No. No. I don't yeah. know. James Spader's just awesome. Like, he might be more suited to play Tilk these days. <laughs> uh, tilk, you, t- you saw him at Comic-Con. Did I? Big Which black guy. He? Is he the yeah. bald black guy? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah I know. He, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's in all huge. the commercials? I mean, his his being dude. black is second only to the fact that he's gigantic. Yeah. I Also, yeah. he played uh, football for the University the of Oregon. The yep. Ducks, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I saw that guy at Rose City. Yeah. I yeah. That's... I didn't know the character's name. I mean, yeah, I knew I'm, the character. I've watched it. I've watched like three episodes of that show. Way more than these. Fucking ingrates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, that's all that video is. It's just a, a neat little thing yeah, with a. He had a much better, a much better, uh, you know, crowd presence than Richard Dean Anderson. <laughs> yeah, and you know, he actually because Richard like Dean he, Anderson's he like, <laughs> wait, what show am I here for? Yeah, <laughs> The Simpsons. All right. Oh, I sort of halfway remember doing something like that. Mm, okay. All right. So. What's the favorite episode you did? The Inner Light. That was Star Trek, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there's your George Lucas voice again. <laughs> Was your, that was, was Star your, Trek. That asshole. was your George Lucas. Well, yeah, but you made it yours too. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's bring it around. Um, before the show started, uh, the boys and I uh, went around the town playing Pokemon Go. Hey, uh, we caught a Gyarados. Well, uh, yeah, three we out of four of us did. Fuck you guys. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Awkward. Anyway, uh, three out of four of us did, and uh, one of us wasn't Sam. Or uh, one of us was Sam. Hey, I had <laughs> three of us weren't Sam. Three of us weren't Sam. <laughs> three of us weren't Sam. Dickles. Consequently, um, that was the three of us that caught the Gyarados. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, we were playing Pokemon Go around town, uh, which was kind of interesting because... Uh, Apparently nobody else is anymore. Yeah, basically. Um, so, I, I, I gotta say, like, I'm, I almost have to recuse myself from this because you, you guys still play re- fairly regularly, I think. Um, and weekly, I, I would say. I... I yeah, I maybe could stretch it into weekly if I like uh, hemmed and hot a little bit. Here's here's the thing about Pokemon Go. Um, it's really only fun when a couple of us can go. Yeah, together. Solo like it's blows. it's not something that I'm like. I can sit at home all I want and be like, oh, there's a Dratini down the street, but I'm not gonna leave to go get it. I mean, like, and just, it's definitely a social event. Yeah. And sitting at home is boring as shit too, because like, I mean, the gameplay mechanics are not exactly amazing. You know, like that's not at all the reason why I think anyone would play it. So, um, but anyway, we we posted a link here in the show notes uh, to Ars Technica, who reports that uh, Pokemon Go has lost more than ten million users. Of course, this is as of August twenty third. Um, you know, so it's been a little while since since that news came out. But uh, we were talking about this a little bit before the show too. But this does not shock me at all because. It was like it peaked real early. I think like uh, it, it peaked way early, and then they they really fucked the dog when it came to the tracking stuff and yeah the the just the overall 
enjoyment of how the app worked at open, I'm surprised that as many people jumped on it as they did because it was a really fucking buggy game. Yeah. It still has issues. Mm-hmm. I do I do think that this is not necessarily going to be like a um, like it's going to be dead in a month sort of situation. I think that it's probably going to have a, a fairly long stride ahead of it and it's going to have a fairly dedicated player base. Uh, but I definitely don't think that it's going to be like this cultural phenomenon that it was um, when it started. Um, I think what it did was it brought to light what an augmented reality game can be. I think it will spawn other augmented reality games. Better um, ones. Or... Even give itself room to improve when they decide that they're going to release the, uh, you know, the Johto Pokemon or whatever they're mm-hmm. going to do for the next update and whatnot. And I assume they would go kind of in order of how the games went as well. So, um, as I understand it, we're getting some new features in an upcoming update. I think one of the next updates is going to be you get to choose one of your Pokemon to be a traveling companion with you. Um, similar to Pokemon Yellow, where you got a little Pikachu that bounced around behind you when you walked. Okay, so what does this thing actually do? Is that going to make it like basically expand the area with which you can it you know fight? Doesn't capture? expand the area, but what it does do is the um, Pokemon that you choose as your traveling companion will generate candy for its itself as okay. you go. So it, there's a benefit to doing it. Yeah, for yeah. you guys that aren't playing at home, you need candy to like level up and evolve your other Pokemon, yeah. which yeah. is just the way of saying like make it more powerful so you can fight bigger shit. The problem with candy and the way that they do it right now. <clears throat> is that you can only get candy by catching more of the same type of Pokemon, and they are very species-specific. So, whereas the original Pokemon, you kind of had, like, your your buddy that was with you the whole time and, and, you know, was your starting Pokemon, and that usually ended up being your strongest one. In this, I've never seen another one of a Charmander. So yeah, I have one Charmander. My, and my Charmander's, like, like, a level 30 or whatever. He's 30... He's, he's super I've, weak. I caught a Charmander, and it's not because I didn't I didn't use him as my starter. Yeah. So I found one. Mm-hmm. You know, the, and then since the game's been out, and that's been since July or whatever. So yes, yeah, so there's no way to reward you for actually having things with you for a long time. You can't like battle with them or anything because they're really weak. Right. You can't you can't level them up because you can't get candy for them. Yeah. Like I've so. caught one Pikachu the entire time as yeah. as well. So I, and I I used all the you get three candies when you catch one. Yeah. Um, you can transfer one to the professor, which, I mean, you're basically deleting your Pokemon and you get a candy for that species in return. Um, so those are the only ways to really get them. If you hatch one out of an egg, you get more candy. I think yeah. you get 10 you get or like something 10. like yeah, that. You get, uh, no, you get more like 12. 13. Well, I think it, I think it's dependent on the, uh, level of egg that you hatch. If it's a 2k, a 5k or a 10k egg. The 10k you get more for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I just checked too. I had a Squirtle to start with and I did not get another one. See, I've got like four of those, but yeah, but, but so four in in the entirety will, of the time this, that you played. Like, how many Ratatatas have you caught, or Pidgeys have you caught in that time? Like, yeah, I'm but, not even kidding you. I have twenty Pidgeys right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this change will, will definitely make some headway towards towards making Pokemon Go more like actual Pokemon. Games. You can walk your Magic Carp with you, and it won't take as long to collect the four hundred candies it takes to evolve it into a Gyarados, or you can just catch a Gyarados. You could, but it won't. It won't probably fuck perform well in battle. Yet again, yeah. fuck you guys, all three of you. Well, what we're saying, Sam, is that there's hope. Yeah. So yeah. when you're walking around in China, where you may or may not even be able to have access to the servers, <laughs> <laughs> you can walk around with a magic card. I'm pretty sure we could Google it too. Mm. But I'm pretty sure that Pokemon Go is in China. It might be. Yeah, I have no idea. It'd be insane. It's going to be it Chinese wasn't. Pokemon though. I mean, don't get me wrong. They're not North Korea. I realize sure. that we have Japanese Pokemon on our on our yeah, phones. They're they they're do. an American. 
No, mine are totally mine are totally American, dude. American. America. Yeah. Yeah. America. America. So yeah, okay. Bob Pikachu's got a Coors Light in his hand. So <laughs> yeah, what's what's our next Pokemon Go related uh, news? That was story it. That was that was the companion the, the, the one. Both. Yeah. I, I segued. You didn't even know. We, wow. It was smooth. Oh man. It was, it was smooth like butter. Smooth like butter. I like it. All right, let's talk some comic book shit. Cause in America, we- you catch Pokemon. In Russia, Pokemon catches you. Ooh. Dusting off the I mothballs give, on that joke, aren't I, we? I give I give bonus points to anybody who can tell me who that was a ripoff of. In oh, Soviet God. Russia, um, Pokemon catches you. No, I'm pretty sure. God, I want to say Ackroyd, but I know I'm wrong. You're absolutely wrong. <laughs> I got nothing here. He's actually Russian. Putin. It's Yakov Smirnoff, man. Oh, <laughs> Putin. All right, let's talk yeah. some comedy. I like to say that too. Putin on the Ritz. Mm-hmm. Putin. Putin. Image Putin. Image Comics. Yeah. Uh, Ooh, yeah. Tiny this little special outlet that we love. And tiny, course, tiny little, tiny little third, third largest biggest car publisher in, in, uh, I know, in the I know. country. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, or the world. Yeah. yeah. Is uh, anyway, Image too. Comics is moving to uh, you know Portland, you know, right yeah. down the road, basically. So they're they're going Town. from seven hours away from us to one hour away from us, which is handy. I mean, I'm to just zero saying, hours like, away from me. I, oh, I yeah, think it's yeah. totally realistic that we can go up there and just be groupies, essentially. The thing is, is Fiona Staples still lives in Canada, so if I we still- just go start masturbating at. <laughs> <laughs> Montgomery Plaza or Park, then it's Park. Yes, it's, it's just going to look weird. I mean, no weirder than everybody else doing it. I think I'm maybe the, sure maybe the one that writes right Bitch time, Planet is going to be there. Like, so choose a spot next to a homeless guy. Nobody's really going to say anything. Uh, Bryce and I had a bad experience with a homeless guy last week. That's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, just just wait until you get to a Portland homeless guy, man. <laughs> They're nicer. We're not. How would you know? We're not going to tell that story. Portland, Sam. We're not going to tell that story. Let your imaginations run wild with exactly what kind of bad experience Portland, they had. Portland is not some exotic location. Portland is where I went as a teenager to watch concerts and, you know, go to bars illegally. And hang out with homeless dudes, apparently. Well, uh, my buddy Wayne spent more time with the homeless people than I did. I was actually talking to the lead singer of Typo Negative, and he was trying to get sold a watch on the street corner. You know, homeless guy. So, actually, as it turns out, like um, I, I've just finally read the article now that we're in the middle of the show. Hey, um, yeah, professional. Uh, th- this is interesting. Th- this is not actually the first like publish- publisher to move to Portland. Uh, Dark Horse is an Oregon-based comic. Dark Horse started. In Portland. Well, started here, has yeah. been started in Portland. Since Oni Comics is another one that's in, in Portland. Uh, and now Image uh, Image is you know basically a behemoth at this point um if this you actually makes portland the third largest comic book city in the country yeah if you, la and new york yep. yeah if you don't and if you don't know um image for example uh one of the books we're going to talk about later saga is an image book and probably one of my favorite ones being published and i'm right sure now. you've heard of spawn uh, yeah you've definitely heard of spawn one another big image book is uh manifest destiny it's a great book uh the walking dead Walking That's Dead. what I was going for. The Walking Dead is an image uh, published book. So, uh, published was uh, image. Image was actually a publisher that was founded uh, by artists, which was uh, pretty crazy back in the nineties. Um, it there was kind of a renaissance of of art in the comic book industry in the mid nineties, and a lot of the guys that were working for the two big publishers, being DC and Marvel at the time, were kind of fed up with 
how business was run and they decided to go into business for themselves. Todd McFarlane, uh, Jim Lee, uh, Rob Liefeld. There's a few others that, that yeah. were in on it. Oh, seven or eight of them. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Which honestly, Jim Lee's gone back now, I believe. Jim Lee is actually co-publisher of DC with mm-hmm. Dan DiDio. So yeah, yeah. but Jim Lee actually started doing work for other companies. Anyway, he stayed, he stayed a part of um, image though for a long time. What happened is in 96, um, Marvel approached him and Rob Liefeld about the um, uh, Heroes Reborn when they rebooted Spider-Man and Captain America and the Avengers and all that kind of stuff. Liefeld's run wasn't quite as successful as Jim Lee's was. Um, Jim Lee's fucking badass. But uh, Jim Lee's... Jim Lee Image wasn't just a publisher. Image was kind of a conglomerate of other publishers. Like, each of the artists kind of created their own publishing company. Jim Lee, for example, is Wildstorm Comics. Um, he eventually sold Wildstorm to DC, and it's still operating as Wildstorm, but he's actually overseen all of DC Comics. See, it's, it's funny, because the reason that came to mind, um, I, I don't know how we haven't mentioned this on the show before, but Kevin Smith and uh, Grenberg, I can't remember his fucking name, um, do a show. Uh, he was on Heroes, is the thing I know him from. He's oh, actually, yeah. He, yeah. he's got Oh, a, the new show they're doing? Yeah, he's got a little part in... Geeking Out? Yeah. Geeking out, yeah. Uh, and Jim Lee was on a recent episode, and he still actually draws for uh, DC, yeah. Um, which I thought was really cool too, because he's kind of like a you know CEO. So, well, and he not CEO, but you know, like what he's was this? Up a couple years rungs. ago? He did a really good run as Superman Unchained. Yeah, and uh, John's and so, John's wrote that, did he? John's not? wrote that, and Jim Lee uh, drew for. It it was a great run. Justice League actually, uh, the New Fifty Two Justice League yeah. was a, a John's and Jim Lee, yeah. Uh, and so he well. and Jeff Johns have been partnering until I think Johns now is just overseeing everything DC. Uh, Jeff Johns' last published work uh, for DC for the time being was DC Rebirth number one because he yeah. then got promoted to uh, executive vice president of Warner Brothers Entertainment as well as being the chief creative officer of DC yeah. Comics. Yep. So he's Jesus. he's a little busy right now. Just a little bit. Yeah. He a little bit the... of responsibility there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that's that's interesting because you know, like Johns and Jim Lee, who both have you know a significant power over DC right now. Um, hopefully, ho- all relatively, I'd I'd say fresh, um, are some of the, the better producers. I think so. Yeah. Uh, um, writer and artist, of course, you know, respectively. So let's so. make a good fucking movie already. That's uh, the- <laughs> well, Johns Johns has only recently been in that position. Suicide Squad yeah. was out of his control. Uh, Justice League, I think, is probably going to be the first one that he's got any kind of influence over, and that's going to be weird because not only does he have um, some influence over it, but Affleck is executive producing it as well. Um, and that was done for a couple of reasons, one of which was because he's doing his solo Batman movie and he has to have some kind of input on on Justice League because it's going to impact his movie. But also, um, they, they kind of did it because he's kind of the only guy that can rein in Snyder. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and... Jeff Johns is a huge dude. I don't know, like physically as well. Like he's a he's a big dude. That's interesting. I'll have to... um, yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting. Uh, sorry, I was just going back and looking at some of the old Wildcat stuff uh, with Jim Lee, and that's when I first fell in love with his stuff. Uh, Grifter, things like that. Grifter was good. Grifter's actually part Grifter. of DC continuity now too. They absorbed him. Oh really? Are we? He had see his it? own book at the beginning of the New Fifty Two, and then it, it, it. Yeah, I know it disappeared. It was like just a couple. Uh, I think it was like Issues. yeah. yeah maybe was, you were big into that back in the day. Oh, yeah, I Grifter. Grif- I, I, he was a great back. character. I'm not yeah. sure. I'm not sure Grifter was a character that could withstand the test of time in a solo title. I don't but think so he either. was a great 
guy, a c- companion character for another for the Wildcats. Yeah. No. Um, I always liked. Um, I, I read Spawn and Wildcats. Yeah, and I loved the Spawn Wildcats crossover they did. Oh, I didn't know they. I have to look. They that did. Up. A, they did a four issue, and it was kind of a um, alternate reality kind of a, a thing. But it was yeah. it was pretty badass. Yeah, I yeah I was definitely way into Grifter. I think I have the first. I have the first like four or five of the two runs that he they did with him back in the mid '90s. So yeah, yeah. Eddie and I actually uh, were doing a spawn read through before uh, DC threw Rebirth up everywhere, and we don't have time to read it anymore. Yeah, um, I don't know. When I read Spawn, um, and I used to read it pretty religiously back in the '90s, uh, I really enjoyed it up to a certain point, and then I don't know, it lost me just kind of got really i don't want to say it wasn't they weren't recycling storylines but it was just i don't know it was too far out there for me maybe see and i, I don't know that, that doesn't bother me i like comics that are far out there because that's kind of whole point of a comic book well and that's the thing is i, I like them too but in some way and i don't know what it was spawn just I, I what's what's interesting to me now is um seeing the the progression that spawn went through because before it was just todd mcfarlane yeah uh, doing the story and the art, and then he brought uh, Greg Capullo in to do the art, which I love. Greg Capullo and Capullo, yeah, he's mm-hmm. good. Um, now it's uh, McFarlane still writing, but Eric Larson is doing the art, and Eric Larson, um, as many of you know, some of you might not know, um, was the creator of Savage Dragon. Nice. Um, and that book is still actually running as well. So I don't know if he's doing both books or if Savage Dragon's kind of gone to somebody else. I don't know. Might have to check it out. Um, yeah. I did like the Spawn uh, versus Batman crossover that came out. We actually read uh, the first one of those and, and talked about it on the show. It was we did. Good. I really yeah. enjoyed that one. So it was a good crossover. There's but a I, second one that we haven't gotten yeah. to yet, but we'll. I'm sure it's, at some point we'll pick it up because we can't keep reading everything DC publishes. No, it's getting. Uh, <laughs> we were talking about this before the show last week. Yeah, uh, make some choices pretty quick. We, yeah. we do. We do like the books, but it is getting to be like a holy shit. Like I don't. I don't know if I literally have enough time to read. You know. 14 books a week or whatever yeah. it is and, back, and background growing. on this week's show actually is the comic books that we're going to talk about actually were released not this past wednesday but the wednesday before last and we just finished reading them tonight because we were just like well he was camping for four days and i was like i'm playing world of warcraft <laughs> <laughs> plus i got a new dog yeah that that took you know yesterday <laughs> so it's been a busy week all right we'll be back to talk about those comic books in just a moment so for those of you that are just falling in is uh one of one of the comic book storylines that we uh we haven't really talked about yet is that um joe manganello from all reports has been offered and possibly accepted the role as deathstroke for either the upcoming batman movie with affleck or for just an ancillary role yeah, so um, if you aren't familiar with the name, he played the the main werewolf dude in uh, True Blood. I think that's his basically his. He was uh, also in Magic Mike breakout. and Magic Mike XL. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure Kevin Smith has talked about his dick. Yeah, a time or two, at least once or twice. Ke- Kevin Smith has talked about more dick than most porn stars. I'm just saying, <laughs> you're not wrong. You're not no. wrong at all. Yeah, I mean, anyway. Um, so what we were talking about right before we came back was, um, at least for me anyway, uh, Manganiello, uh, that's, I don't, I'm sure we're pronouncing his name wrong, but whatever. Uh, 
is if not... If we're going by Sam's pronunciation, yeah. It's probably Fuck wrong. you guys. It's Margot Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> Margot Robbie. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Margot Robbie. That's what I said. Yeah. Except for if you were an American, you'd just be like, oh, your name is Margot Robbie? And she'd be like, yeah. I'm pretty sure you no, guys... You're right. Yeah, exactly. Hey, hey, that's what, that's be what I culturally said. sensitive, asshole. Okay, but in fairness, like Australians add a U to shit like the British people do, but I don't think they change the way that they pronounce O's and, and like the rules for like... You could say Margot Robbie. 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 And, I don't know. Uh, you know, she's They're a, basically just Robbie. lazy Englishmen. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, so. that's that's where they get that accent from. Yeah, basically. Well, you know. <laughs> no, the, they're, they're criminal Englishmen is what they are. Really? Well, not all of them are criminals yeah, anymore. Well, 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 anymore. Well, well, anymore. Anymore? That's debatable. They're not even allowed to have guns there. I mean, how can you be a criminal if you can't have a gun? Really? Really? Wow. Wow. Well, anyway. Let me take my Second Amendment and show you. Mr. Manginello. Manginello? I think it's actually Manginello, but whatever. Mr. Manginello, that's what I'm going with. He's a big werewolf with the luscious cock. Let's just call him that. Fair enough. He does not strike me exactly like Slade does in the comics. And we were just talking about this before we, we, you know, while we were breaking here for. But it's a DC fucking property, so they don't have to do anything like they do in the comic. Yeah, but but in fairness, though, he does he does remind me a little bit of Manu Bennett, who played Deathstroke, of course, in Arrow before Arrow got shitty. So thanks, Guggenheim. And you know, famously, I think at this point was one of the better villains we've seen in the the uh, TV universe. Um, you know, and not just in Arrow, but I think Deathstroke was probably one of the better villains we've seen just in general. You know, even if you include Flash and all of that other stuff. So, um, if if that's the route they're going with, I, I think that could be fine. Like, I uh, I'm actually kind of excited to see that. That that could be good. Yeah, I don't hate that casting. Yeah. Way to go, DC. You've found a casting we don't hate. Good on you for getting one right, finally. To be fair, we didn't hate Affleck as Batman, and no, that didn't. movie nope. still left that's, a lot on the table. Well, that's true. And to be honest, it wasn't Affleck's fault. No, it wasn't. Not a bit. No, no. fucking dude. To be fair, Gigli wasn't Affleck's fault. But <laughs> Did you I, watch other than, Gigli? Did you other, watch that fucking Other than movie? he agreed to do it. Yeah, I've seen Gigli. Uh, uh, who here has seen Gigli? I'm judging you so hard right now, Matt. Yeah, I am really fucking Consider yourself judged. See me caring? I just want to point out, there was no judgment when he was talking about Manginello's luscious cock. No judgment. (laughs) But he saw Geely and we're like, wow. Everybody moved away a little bit. It was weird. Well, this fucker over here. This fucker over here. We gotta fucking distance ourselves from this ridiculous All right, let's talk some comics, guys. Let's talk some comics. We've got, let's open it up with, uh, do we want to talk about this one first? Yeah, Saga. This is the book you guys read? Yeah, uh, yeah, because because they haven't yeah. read anything else we're going to talk yeah, about. Yeah, I'm so. just going to walk away for the rest of this. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So um, we read Saga 37. So with the last time we talked about Saga was issue 36, and um, Hazel was reunited with her family Hey-o. in 36. Yeah. Yep. So now, correct me if I'm wrong, this book has not uh, been out for like three months, and we just forgot to read it, right? Like they This book a, just came out this no, week. No, yeah, they just took a new. big break, right? It's been uh, two months, I think, since 36 came out. Yeah, so Saga, this, this is one of the things I don't love about Saga, um, which is that they take pretty sizable breaks at points, which, you know, it's fair, because it's, it's really kind of a small endeavor. You know, here's here's the thing, though. We're going to talk about some comic books in a little bit that I don't necessarily enjoy having to read as often as I do. Yeah. This book, it may have been two months since the last issue, but it was 
refreshing. It was it was a welcome addition to this week's show notes because I fucking love this book. Yeah, that's totally true too. Like I, I every every saga issue that comes out, like I really really enjoy. So I don't necessarily mind it from that standpoint, but from the impatient little boy standpoint, like I want the books all the time. Like I didn't feel bad about not putting the rest of these books in the show notes until way late, but when I realized yesterday that Saga had come out on Wednesday and I didn't tell you, I felt like a dick. That's <laughs> that's the difference between hey, having sp- to read these for the show and enjoying reading comic books. Speaking of me. dick, um. <laughs> uh so anyway i've let's, apparently let's, developed a reputation yeah oh my You're this, this my. shows kevin smith uh let's talk about uh so let's talk about saga so what did we think overall i really enjoyed this issue i enjoyed it it definitely it definitely it's got a little bit of a cliffhanger there at the end and You're, yeah so so for those of you following along at home bryce is used to buying the collected uh graphic novels which contain a six issue story arc throughout um he's not used to reading an individual issue and having to wait for the next one well yeah i'd actually i'd read through 34 i was supposed to get the digital 35 from you because i had 36 remember oh that's right so i really only had to read 35 36 and 37 today okay yeah so you were in a better a better place than sam was then because sam had to catch up with a, a yeah. lot yeah yeah but uh no no it was it was good but it definitely you know it, a lot of times Hazel's inner monologue or older Hazel's narration monologue uh, gives us a lot of our um, sort of cliffhangers and, you know, things like that and and sort of sets up expectations of what's going to come in the future. And and she definitely does at this point because we end up on on the asteroid that that Slave Girl came from and uh, something bad's going to happen or many bad things possibly. Sophie. Yeah, but yeah. guys, we can't glaze over the giant cock in the room. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so are you want to talk about a giant cock? Okay, I I don't really want to talk about a giant. So cock. Prince Robot. What or I want to talk about is that this Prince this Robot's another, having some. Issues. I guess he's not a prince anymore. I don't know what he. No, is he's anymore. a knight knight robot. Sir Robot. Sir Robot. Sir Robot. So yeah. what what's different about this book is um, this is a very adult book. Um, we've covered this before. But uh, it opens up with them talk- with uh, Marco and Alana talking about how they're going to tell Hazel that uh, she's about to be a big sister, which is fun. And then we immediately go to the next page, which uh, is Prince Robot, Sir Robot, really, just, just jacking it. A shaft. Yeah. <laughs> giant, it is, giant. There's just a giant penis in, in the middle of the page, and, and we're like, what's going on here? Giant gray so, shaft with a TV so for a I'm head. Gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point something out. This is... How I read the book was on my computer screen, right? Yeah. And so I saw this first. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's a that's a huge cock. <laughs> and then he scrolled down. Scrolled down a little more. Yeah, it keeps on scrolling All down the way to the balls. Uh, all the way. All the way so to anyway, the base of the shaft and the, the balls. And this actually serves as a little bit of a story element, too, because uh, Prince Robot, Sir Robot, is uh, Jack in it. And he's picturing all these different things. You know, he's like having a hard time. Madam Robot. Yeah, he's definitely having a tough time. He's in a pickle. The, what's the spider chick's name? I can't remember her. Oh, the uh, stock. Uh, the stock. Yeah, yeah. He's picturing the stock. He's picturing you know. To be fair, he pictured porn. the stock with a hole in her chest. Yeah, yeah. he did. That yeah. was a little weird. Yeah, that might have. He might. That might have been part of the thing that, that threw yeah. him off of his rhythm. Yeah. And then he pictures Alana, and that's like. But he doesn't know it's Alana at first. Like yeah, he's like, oh yeah, no, give me some of like, that. He's just like, ah, oh, he's shit, just it's checking Alana. out that ass. Yeah. And then it comes around, and it's her, and he overreacts just a little bit, maybe uh, a bit. Yeah. So anyway, I thought that was kind of. Uh, 
It is something that's not. I, I wouldn't say necessarily uniquely saga, but it's it like is something a that's five minute breakdown of the masturbation def- panel, like <laughs> three panels in a book. <laughs> anyway, it, right. it is attention grabbing. Um, um, and then of course it's, the, we move on from the masturbation to the discussion about the tranny and you, whether or not she's going to come out as you know being trans and all. You that. guys have have heard us talk about this uh, comic book before. It's it's not all like sexually driven like the the book itself is it does have that in it but overall there's a story um which has to do with well, a little and girl the, and her the parents opening and... conversation between the parents about whether or not to you know tell her about her her sibling who's coming and talking about the idea of hybrids i mean it's really a thoughtful conversation and, and it's something which addresses and this is a societal thing i mean you know, the idea of black and white, you know, together, this is something that you would have seen as a conversation in the 60s and 70s in no, society. The whole thing um, actually manages to be really poignant. Um, the, the thing about Saga is they occasionally do, I think, do things for shock value. Like, I think a little bit like the scene of the giant cock in the middle of the page was a little bit for shock value. <laughs> it, it was reminiscent of the scene of the troll balls that we oh, saw yeah, in, yeah. in yeah, like, way balls. back, like halfway back in issue 20 of, yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember my the first time I read this book and I opened up to the troll balls. I was like, "Whoa, those are some big ass balls." <laughs> those are my exact words. But it's it's one of those things where it's like you you don't come across it like the giant dick on the page. Like it was just like one of those things. Where I'm like, "Oh yeah, I'm reading Saga." Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's not. This happens every now and again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But as, as much as um. Something like that does pop up in the middle of the page. Hey oh, uh, they, they do manage actually to, to tell a relatively poignant story. I think, and there uh, is a lot of highlighting of those t- sorts of things. Like, there's a lot of things that you know, like they confront homosexuality a little bit. They talk about being trans a little bit. Um, they talk about uh, you know all these things. We have this you know, like Sam alluded to, how like, war is engineered. Yeah, war being engineered. We talked about, uh, we have this whole thing with Alana and Marco being sort of the, just exactly like what Sam alluded to, like drew my mind to like interracial couples in the 50s and 60s, um, you know, that whole thing. Uh, so it does all that and then manages to really tell an interesting story on top of it. So yeah. Saga is still one of my most most favorite, most enjoyed books. To, to come back to Sam's point, uh, because I actually do think he had a good point with this, you know, for a change. I'll get that on the cassette for you, Sam. You can play that right back. Hey. Oh, Please, time did, and time again. Did you make another reference to a tape? I, I think I did. Jesus Christ. Because wow. we were talking about vinyl earlier. How old are you? Uh, <laughs> anyway. Who in this room is well, owned a when walk Keanu, man? When Keanu Reeves was just a wee little boy, I remember <laughs> watching him from the stage of the, you know, the stagecoach, actually. The uh, stagecoach. <laughs> no, to, to Sam's point, uh, when it comes to, like, that's one of the things that they that they talk about at the very beginning of the book when they're trying to decide whether or not they're going to tell Hazel that, that she's pregnant. Um, because they were like, well, there's a lot of complications that could go wrong with, uh, uh, children born between our two species. And like, Alana's like, maybe cause Hazel's fine. Yeah. I like yeah. that actually. Cause she's like, no, Hazel's hearty as fuck. What are you talking about? Yeah. Like, yeah. And like, they're like, I think that's just some bullshit. They say it's shitty propaganda. And it so. doesn't surprise me. Like it wouldn't surprise me if there was people back in the day in the sixties, fifties, forties, whatnot, they were just like, no black and white can't have kids. Like they'll be fucked up. Yeah. You and, absolutely. And, and I think the quadroons yeah. will be, fucked and I think up. it's a really good point that, that, that she makes that Alana makes when she says yeah, Hazel's hearty as fuck. Hazel's hearty as fuck right now. 
because in at this moment in the comic book because she hasn't there's not a lot of exposure to the idea of her being the the child of two different worlds two different people who are at war and so she doesn't have that influence on her to say hey you're something that's an abomination instead she's got two loving parents and a bunch of fucked up people around her well who still love her and in some way shape or form and here's the thing like we've already gone past the part in the story where they explain that the war like these two species are literally only at war right now because they were at war yesterday and the day before that yeah and the day before that nobody really actually knows why they're pissed at each other anymore no yeah. And I, and I think that's great, and it's a great. Uh, I think it's a great way to put it, because it kind of takes and it boils down this idea, the ideas behind you know, war and racial hatred and all that stuff. Why? Do, I mean, why do some white people hate black people? Why do some black people hate white people? And so on and so forth. Do you know the root cause? Or are you just doing it because that's what you've been programmed to do? Well, I can tell you why black people hate white people. Well, it's yeah, called I've white got privilege. A, I've got a pretty, pretty good idea, but I mean. They're, you're programmed. We, 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 our society's programmed, and basically that's kind of what they're Look, saying in this book. When I grew up in Compton, <laughs> all right, <laughs> all right, like, all right. Before we offend <laughs> absolutely everybody, yeah. let's uh, move on. So, um, <laughs> the the next scene actually is really cool too because uh, one of my favorite characters of all of creation ever is Lion Cat, and so um, yeah. when when uh, he only ever has one line, yeah. So when Sophie, Lying. Sophie, Sophia, of course, is the slave, the slave girl that uh, the Will and um, from the sex planet and, and Gwendolyn, you know, essentially rescued um, Sophie's, you know, basically trying to convince Gwendolyn to let her go be a, a hitter, you know, like a, um, a, freelancer, a freelancer is what they call him in the universe. Um, <clears throat> like the Will and the stock and uh, is the, the Will still with the squire? I believe Is he so. still on that planet? With yeah, because that's, yeah, that's, where, they left him. They, that's no, where they're trying to get to right was, now. They're trying to get off. to. He he was walking away. It didn't really True. address whether or not he had. Well, he's still I mean, fucked up. But he had, he had the will in his head instead of the stock, and I think that that was driving him in a more sane. The direction. brand, you mean? The brand and the will. Yeah, he is the will. So what what I liked about this, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. Why this is one of my favorite scenes in the book is because uh, the li- lion cat, of course, basically just calls you on your bullshit. Sorry, like bro. when you lie, lion cat Fuck, knows, man. and lion cat just says lying. Uh, and I loved that because in this particular scene, uh, uh, Gwendolyn is giving Sophie, Sophie's the girl, the little girl, all the reasons why she can't go do this thing. And lion cat just starts going lie, and you know gets up and then gets face hit the full mouth. of sticks. <laughs> like fuck off, <laughs> go away. She's like, shut up, cat. I don't need yeah. your shit here. Yeah. Yeah, I don't uh, like cats as a rule, but I would have a lion cat. I mean, yeah, I would too. I agree. I don't know that I would actually. It really maybe. keep you straight. It makes me wish Luna could it, just had had something special. No, you know? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Listen, that dog has been hit on the head since a very young age. She's definitely special. No, no. That implies that we repeatedly hit her in the head. She was hit in the head once. <laughs> but it was real good, though. It was with a, real fucking With good. a baseball. It was I'll, real good, I'll, yeah. I'll grant you that. <laughs> and right. I'd like to say, that that ball that hit her had some really good bend to it. She can't catch. I'm just saying. It had some That's, good bend to it. Neither can your brother. You're acting like I threw that. <laughs> I'd like not. to see how this That was how my this slider. Transpa- yep. It was a good slider, I'm just saying. It was very low. <laughs> it, it broke low. Yes. It was uh, very for, low. For those of you, you know, animal fans listening at home, I'm pretty sure he wasn't aiming for her. I no. wasn't. Yeah. He I wasn't. absolutely wasn't. It was wasn't. an accidental hit. 
All right, and, and then she's we, a sweet dog. We finish up the book uh, with him landing on the asteroid that's basically a war-torn hellhole full of tribes that are being pitted against each other by you know the the two major factions in the book. Uh, we find the set of refugees, which look like tiny little raccoon guys. They're so fucking They're cute. They're prairie dogs. They're adorable. They're fucking cute. And oh, the last better, fucking yeah. picture will break your damn heart. Aww. But I kind of think it's going to be like a situation like Goose, like where you, you picture him being like this like fuzzy, adorable little thing until he pulls out a battle axe and threatens mm. to break your fucking I'm calling face it right off. now. These little prairie dogs are evil. They're going to try and eat, oh, yeah, no. eat, eat oh, the yeah. people. No, yeah, they're, they're no, bad. I fully fucking they're endorse bad. that. And that's one of the first things. But they're still fucking cute. Look at their empty little eyes. Look they're at definitely it. You evil. look at them. No souls. She's so they sad. Bad. They're going bad. They're all, and they're just looking. Like that one, though. No, that one right there with the Why? blue shirt. Why does it? I don't know. My fucking Your thing's fucked tablet up. Tablet sucks. Anyways, that one right there, <laughs> psychotic. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no Absolutely. joke. Absolutely. No yeah. All right, so that's Saga this week. We have a whole bunch of DC Rebirth books, and which Bryce is none out. of these guys have read. Nope. Yeah, nope. see you later, Summers Brothers. Uh, it's it's been a joy. Show. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, um, Sam and his brother Bryce have, have been guests on the show uh, on on recurring basis for a while now. Uh, but as it turns out, Sam has taken a job on foreign soil. Yeah, I'm going to go to china and teach them american history so they can come over and you know culturally appropriate things so we don't know when the next time sam's gonna actually uh appear on the show is so we wanted to give him an opportunity to uh let everybody know that uh he uh i really really fucking enjoy this shit well i mean there's skype and shit like that like we're, yeah. it is the 21st century we can yeah, figure something we'll out. Figure I mean, there's it probably out. ways i just don't know what his internet situation is going to be yeah, when he gets over and there and that's all the thing stuff. i gotta get there and i gotta figure out my internet situation and once we figure it out we'll figure something out it but... is just two palm pilots connected with a string isn't it <laughs> probably i mean you don't know they do um, rattle around like a palm pilot yeah, it's not palm pilots. yeah. but one of the things the that uh one i mean i'm gonna be over there i'm gonna try and engage in nerd culture over there because i mean have you seen some of the stuff coming out of China and Japan? That shit's great. And so, um, but I will be back for sure. Try not to lick the paint while you're over there. Well, you know, my main source of food is paint, so I'm going to have to fucking switch that shit up. <laughs> I ate a lot of lead chips when I was a kid. Yeah, like when you get over there, you're going to be like, uh, yes, uh, do you have any paint without lead? And they're going to be like, uh, well, la-di-da, look at Mr. Fancy Pants over here. <laughs> Yeah. Um. But no, I'm I'm gonna hope I'm gonna try and send some materials back. I've been scoping out. There's a uh, there's a con in Shanghai in November that I'm gonna try and get to. So I'm gonna try and find some stuff to send you guys and just send you some absolutely weird nerd stuff just nice. to that, blow your minds. Yeah. Uh, if I can find some Japanese tentacle porn, I'm gonna make sure to send that to Eddie. If you can, yeah. <laughs> It'll be tricky, but he's gonna give it his best shot. Yeah. yeah. And so. let's not forget you're going to China, not Japan. So yeah, that's true. I'm the tentacle sure. porn might be a little harder fact, to come by in China. Uh, this is completely anecdotal, and I've never been outside of the United States, but um, I've heard that actually racism between Asian races is is oh, it's immense, huge, immense. So like you oh. going over there and be like, uh, yeah, could you just tell tell me about the samurai culture? Like that might get you shanked. Like. I, I'm sure there's a Chinese word for shanked, but I don't know what it is. I I made one when I made one stipulation when they asked me to come teach. I told them I would not teach about Asian history because I know next to nothing and I don't want to offend somebody. Yeah. So I'm going to teach them all about white people and other people history because you know. Yeah. Our wonderful Western European having educational been white system. For, having been white for quite a while now. Yeah. You know, sort of an expert on the subject. Um, well, 
Not really. You learn new shit every day. Who better to teach in China than a completely Anglo-Saxon motherfucker? Yeah. Who, who has a whole lot of doubts about it, the, the whole Anglo-Saxon ideas? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I definitely want to say thank you to you guys. I really enjoyed hanging out with you guys. Yeah. It's actually like a highlight of the past year or so that I've been doing it. it, it it's always actually fun to, to have somebody else on the show besides me and Eddie. I mean, not that... We don't enjoy doing the show when it's just the two of us, but it adds he, he a different gets, element. He gets sick of my shit. Let's just be honest. No, it, it just adds a different element, um, especially when it's you and your brother, because you never know which direction the, the show is going to take. Well, with Bryce, it's time. always rape. That's true. Always rape. So I guess you do know yeah. which direction it's going to take. <laughs> but uh, Usually whatever direction leads to a dark alley where your screams are muffled. Yeah. yeah. But Wait, Which we know that you enjoy, Eddie. We, yeah. we just we wanted to take a minute and uh, to wish you uh, safe travels and all that good stuff. And we do hope to have you back on the show, uh, preferably before you're back from China. It would be nice if we could work that yeah. out. But if not, yeah, we'll definitely have sure. you on as soon as you're back. Definitely. And I definitely look forward to whatever I can contribute. I mean, that's that's what I like to do, and so I really enjoy it. So, uh, listeners, those of you who actually like my voice, we'll see you later. For those of you who don't, I'll see you later. Fuck off. All right. Thanks. And that was Sam, everybody. Yeah. Okay, let's talk DC Comics. Yeah. Action Comics 962. Let me get my notes. (laughs) So, basically, in Action Comics 962, uh, Superman is sort of having his penultimate battle with uh, Doomsday. And he's doing pretty well, actually. Uh, he's kind of handling Doomsday fairly smartly. Um, he's got a leg up, I think, because you know he famously was killed by Doomsday before, and now he's basically figured that shit out. So what he does essentially is isolate him towards the um, the the on Earth uh, uh, Fortress of Solitude. Sort of, it's not the exact Fortress of Solitude, but rather one that this uh, Superman has built up over the years to. Um, uh, take its place uh so he he's not using straight up kryptonian technology but sort of something he's built on his own which is kind of a new thing so yeah um if you didn't figure this out in previous issues um with the kind of weird watcher looking dude um and it like you find out pretty early on in this issue that uh he's being tested superman is being tested yeah a little bit and um the other thing too is that like they they rather uh, not quite ham-fistedly but they keep talking about like if only somebody can harness doomsday's power and it's a good thing we can keep that out of the hands of blah 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 um and so of course the book finishes up with uh uh lois finally saying okay no seriously wonder woman diana go help him and she comes in just in time to sort of save the day, um, which is so they can get a phantom projector online and uh, Clark sends Doomsday into the phantom zone, which uh, leaves our <laughs> hidden watcher guy basically being this is, like, this is funny because my notes actually say Doomsday phantom zone or not. Yeah. Uh, the the watcher guy uh, basically hijacks the phantom projector in some way. Like he's like he, he may, intercepts the signal. Yeah, or whatever. he catches a midstream, and, and it's kind of like a transporter, I guess, on Star Trek, where like he just rerouted the molecules to appear somewhere else instead of where they were meant to go. Whatever. I mean, it, the, the short of it is that, like the watcher guy, the bad guy, has control over Doomsday, and presumably that will end up poorly for our I, hero in blue. I imagine this might even end up poorly for the guy who has doomsday i kind of think it should um i mean poetically yes yeah yeah so still enjoy this book this is still a must read for me i think i think they're kind of nailing it yeah i really enjoy action comics right now um action comics and superman both i'm really enjoying and uh six months ago i would not have 
no, actually got not. to that at all. Neither one of us, I think, we're big fans of New 52 Soups. So, um, all right. Next one we read was Batgirl. Yeah. And the next one we read after that was, no. No. Um, here's the thing about Batgirl. I'm not hating the story. Yeah, me either. I dislike the art immensely. I, as do I. this book. As do I. Um, I think it should be a prerequisite before you become an artist on a comic book that you can draw. <laughs> that, that is maybe slightly more harsh than I would have gone with, but yeah, there are some, there is some pictures in here that I just really don't like, and I, and I'm not sure. Like, I'm not an artist myself, so uh, you know, I, I I won't claim that they're not technically sound, but to me, they appear to not be. So here's my thing, and this might seem a little harsh, and that's because it is. <laughs> after after that, this one might seem harsh, yes. But I assume that the person drawing this book is either from a family of. Uh, disfigured folks <laughs> or they don't see well it could be because what they're drawing does not look like faces a good portion of the time at least like, not faces that i've seen yeah there, there there's some interesting direction they've taken here with the artwork one of the things that batgirl's always had going for barbara gordon has always been a good looking redhead mm-hmm. i wouldn't touch this barbara gordon with a 10-foot <laughs> pole <laughs> Yeah. Um, all right. Anyway, Batgirl. The story's all right. It's nothing that's really blown me away, and the art it really distracts from that. So, um, so there is uh, in this book you will find a peeping tom who apparently likes ugly chicks. Nice. Um, Set your sights high, boys. Also, you find out that Barbara Gordon is kind of easy because she's making out with this dude in China, but she's also like if you're reading Nightwing at all, there's she's got involvement in nightwing and it specifically references her being in china yeah and whatnot or japan or wherever she's at i wouldn't go so far as to say she's easy because it's not like she's giving it up but she's definitely playing the field a little right like it's not like she's not like well no there's this other guy yeah like she's like well maybe i don't know yeah that's <laughs> how this goes but yeah no like she's not slutty but it, it is a little like uh i don't know like I don't know. She's she's definitely playing two sides of the same coin. Of course, it could be that they're just not very good at continuity yet, but they do have some some uh, uh, understanding of continuity because you know they they are mentioning like she's over here in Shanghai, and then you know, yeah. ten seconds later she's with Nightwing. So whatever. Yeah, and then she gets knocked the fuck out while she's cage fighting. Yep. Uh, by That's a chick funny. with a tattoo that mm-hmm. happens to be the same chick with the tattoo that she's looking for. That uh, which you know the tattoo basically distract her, and then she got yeah knocked the fuck out. Um, Blue Beetle Rebirth. Oh, we got to go all the way back to that, huh? Yeah, well, it's oh, you're going one. by the show notes, aren't you? I am. It it seems like a convenient order. Blue Beetle Rebirth. Uh, we both read, and I think we both were like, "Wow, Spider Man's got a weird costume on." Here's here's the thing. Um, Eddie was actually looking forward to reading this. I was. Um, I was not. See, so I've never really had a whole lot of experience with Blue Beetle, and it's never been a favorite character of mine or anything like that. So I was like, oh, this is going to be a new fun thing to try. And then I read it, and I was like, well, they've really dressed up Miles Morales in a very different suit. Yeah, I was not not looking forward to it. It was just one of those things that, like, if I didn't get to it this week, I didn't care. Um, But then I decided to make myself read it because Eddie was actually, like, he mentioned when he got here today that he he was looking forward to reading it, wanted to read it. So I was like, well, I better I better read it. Yeah. Um. So Peer the memorable pressure. things that happen is is um, uh, Jamie Reyes. I think you're close enough, at least. Um. Who who is the person with the scarab? Yep. Says, "God damn it!" 
Yep. Okay, I got that part. Uh, he is talking with Ted Cord while he's fighting some bad guys and accidentally blows a giant hole in the roof, and Ted Cord says the roof had it coming. Yeah. Jamie Reyes. That's right. Yeah. Uh, basically, so I'm going to... The thing about the Blue Beetle to me is when I grew up reading comics, it was Ted Cord. Ted Cord was the Blue Beetle, and he wasn't... Uh, in possession of an alien artifact or otherwise, as we find out kind of at the end of this book, uh, magic. He was kind of a technical wizard. He still is in this particular book, but he's not the Blue Beetle for whatever reason. Um, But the Blue Beetle always struck me as the kind of character that was really, really good at being part of a team. Like He was always kind of helpful at doing those things. But I never, ever, ever was like, man, I need to pick up some issues of the Blue Beetle so I have a better understanding of, of this character. For me, the thing that's lacked luster about this book is, as I was reading it, I, I totally felt like I was reading an issue of Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah, like, there's a lot of different beats in this book that really, really struck me struck me as Ultimate Spider-Man sort of material. Like Hispanic kid gets powers. I, and it's not even just that. Rich like, billionaire tries to help him. And then, of course, we immediately, like, even with with the way the book opens, like, we're fighting bad guys, and oh, no, no, we've got school pressures, and then we've got to go fight the bad guys and balance the school thing. Like, that was very much like a, oh, my gosh, this this might as well be Ultimate Spider-Man just in a blue costume. Yeah, the first half of this book specifically was very Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. It is what it is. Um, We did get to see an appearance by Dr. Fate, which I thought was kind of cool. I did as well. Um, and then we find out that the scarab is, in fact, not alien technology. It is magic. And we find this out because of Dr. Fate. And then there's just some says it's magic. And there's some evil chick that's like, nope, you're going to keep me informed about this stuff. Yeah. And her eyes glow red. Yep. Scary. Don't that's know scary. if I'm going to read Blue Beetle number one. I don't know that I care at all either. Either. So we are really getting down to the point where I think we got to start making some hard decisions about what books we're going to read. Because like we discussed before the show, um, it is getting to be a little bit of a chore. Like, reading 15 books a week is a little bit rough. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, did we? how many did we read? This one's only probably Six. like 11, 10, something like that. 10, 11, yeah. We're 11 books this week. That's a lot. Yeah, it's pretty I mean, hardcore. it's not a lot if you read throughout the week, but when you put it off until the last day, it kind of sucks. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um. All right, so Deathstroke? Yeah. I'm still a little lost in this book. Yeah, this issue I didn't find was nearly as interesting to me as uh, Rebirth was. It has some beats, but I think it moves back and forth between past, present, you know, sort of things. And uh, I get a little lost in that sometimes, which... I don't get lost. I just don't care about some of it. Yeah, this is true, too. Uh, Part of it is, though, like, I have have very little familiarity with, like, uh, Slade's extended, uh, you know... uh, universe history etc so like all the characters and stuff like that that are not slade wilson i'm just kind of like eh, whatever yeah like the biggest things to take away from this issue is we get a little bit more background um we get to see slade wilson with a mustache and an afro that was an interesting look yeah uh and then i didn't give a fuck about the rest of the book yeah pretty much so probably not gonna read deathstroke number two either for the not for the show anyway like maybe if i'm out of comics for the week i might i might check it out when i get around to it um i'm not Definitely not going to put it in the show notes for required reading or anything. Yeah. Um, I almost don't want to go out of order because this is, remains one of my favorite books. Detective Comics. Number yeah, this is really good. 
I enjoyed um, this one a lot. Uh, I'm a Tim Drake fan, so this one to I me know. especially. I was, was reading huge. this and I was like, oh, Matt's gonna love this shit. Yeah. Uh, we find out that Tim Drake, uh, when he built the Belfry, built it to be self-repairing. So Clayface is kind of bitching about all the glass that's hanging around, and and uh, Tim Drake's like, "Well, the windows are gonna fix themselves, and we have bigger Roombas." Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And then I also liked because uh, one of the characters is like, dude, why are you even bothering with this, the superhero business? And he's like, well. As it know, turns out. Yeah. Because, uh, of course. It's in, the chick he's banging, too. So that doesn't yeah, hurt. One of the other characters, he's uh, uh, um, the chick he's banging, actually, is. Uh, what's her name? I don't remember. Spoiler. Spoiler. I think it's spoiler. Yeah. yeah so spoiler is. But like, I mean, uh, I don't remember her name name. I don't either, but I never have met Spoiler before this incarnation, so I don't feel bad about that. Anyway, Spoiler is kind of like, um, or he's revealed to Spoiler in the past that he's planning on going to school or whatever and leaving the superhero biz behind. So it was kind of like one of those like awkward, you know, like, well, I guess we're going to get out of here anyway. Um, but Tim Drake is actually kind of the hero of this whole book because um, what essentially hold on, happens... Hold on. Let's, let's, before we get there, Yeah, I want to talk about Act one and a half sure of the book maybe two um this is actually one of my favorite scenes and tim drake doesn't have anything to do with it actually um this is the i think i know where you're going with this this is this is the um the conversation between batman and um and batwoman where she basically calls him out on his bullshit yeah I like and that. she's like here's the deal don't fucking lie to me anymore yep and he's just like okay <laughs> I mean, that's the most you're going to get from Batman, I think. But uh, I really enjoyed that too, because that, like, that seemed like an emotional breakdown to me from Batman. So. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that I was never... that was an excellent. Like the dialogue in that scene is is great. It's probably one of the best pieces of dialogue between two comic book characters that I've read in a while. I like how they kind of set up the relationship a little bit too, because we get a little bit of a flashback, like to um, um, Cassandra and uh, is that right? No, Kate. Kate, I'm fucking the names up again. I don't remember. Anyway, it's a lot of cider and beer since. Yeah. Uh. Anyway, we get we get some backstory relationship between uh, her and Batman, which was really fun too. So, um, the, and that's the non Tim Drake centered part. The Tim Drake centered part though was really rad. Yeah, um, we we detect a drone attack, which is not the same drones that have been following the uh, Bat heroes around Gotham, but these are heavily armed drones that are specifically programmed to attack targets yeah um tim says he can't shut them down because he's not far enough into the system yet to be able to do that um what he is able to do though is direct them all at him yeah and that's kind of the last thing you see in the book is him standing on the rooftop waiting for the drones and telling himself that it isn't a fight that he's getting into it's all a math equation so i don't know um when we open up uh the next issue exactly where it's going um but tim's basically setting himself up to to take them all down himself yeah uh hal jordan and the green lantern core number three still liking this book i like this one same you know it's really weird that you'd be a green lantern fan well here's the thing i've been pretty vocal about the fact that i'm not necessarily enjoying green lanterns so this book though very welcome change um guy gardner i love his uh his little blowing off steam scene yeah that was fun um the rest of the core having come back from uh, a different universe very recently their rings are all fucked up and they don't know where they're at so yeah that's kind of funny actually (laughs) um 
Meanwhile, um, Hal Jordan, his ring seems more powerful than ever, almost. I, well, it's Hal. Yeah. I mean, come on. He, he's, he's a little OP. Uh, I think my second note in this is Hal beating ass. Yeah. Which happens. Um, only there's a fear engine, which seems to be helping the Sinestro Corps, because eventually their rings start operating at like 200% their normal capacity, um, and Hal kind of gets overwhelmed eventually. Yeah. Uh, that's really all that happens in this in this issue, but um, it's a really well put together issue. Didn't take either one of us. This is probably one of the quickest issues I read today, and I think yeah. it only took me a couple minutes to read the whole thing because it's, it was there's dialogue, but it just it goes really really quick. It's pretty dialogue light, I would say, and it is a, a predominantly fight issue, which yeah. you know happens in comics. Yeah, so. the visuals in this book are good. Um, the art isn't quite as it's not quite where I'd like it to be in some issues. Uh, but it's it's still very good. It's not uh, uh, it's not Batgirl. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, the Flash number five. Uh, still enjoying the Flash, and the art in this one is actually getting. I don't know if I'm getting used to it or if it's actually getting better. It's still not great. Um, I do. The I, artist takes a weird approach to to things, but it's it's not looking as watercolory as as Rebirth and in the first issue or two were. I will say that I'm moving into the, the, the side of being a fan of the art in this book. Like, not necessarily a diehard fan, but it's good. Like, I, I don't, it doesn't bother me so much anymore. Like, the first couple of issues especially, I, I did not li- like at all. Um, but th- this, I, I did. So, this issue has us getting a little bit of uh, Wally West slash uh, Fast Track. Fast Track is the uh, new code name for the scientist that we get to meet. Um, you know, the girl that Barry's dating. Uh, I can't remember her name either. Mina. Mina. We actually right. get an introduction to the book by Mina, um, yeah. which is interesting. Uh, and I kind of knew that she was doomed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, from the very beginning. I really liked um, our our Wally squared or wally part two or whatever you want to call him yeah uh because he's not the original wally but he's the wally that we had in the new 52 um she can tell who has flash powers and she kind of sees him skulking about outside of star labs and kind of takes him under his wing because he doesn't necessarily want to bring himself into the fold with everybody else because he's kind of nervous about anybody finding out he's got powers especially his aunt who happens to be iris west and especially because he's and he's but, a big fan. He's a mark for the Flash, and he's also the legit Speed Force user. Like he had, he had the Speed Force before the, before weird the storm, lightning and, storm. Everything. and there's a very good chance that when that's all said and done, he's still gonna have it. So yeah, absolutely. Um, but he does quickly prove that he, even though he's not ready to vibrate through walls and whatnot, that he can do things. Um, yeah, that uh, that other flashes necessarily can't. Like he can generate lightning on his own and direct it toward things and whatnot so i think he's gonna make a good kid flash he's also working yeah he's already working on like rearranging molecules and things like that Mm because he saw that in the last issue where he's kind of experimenting with a a costume and whatnot yeah so that's pretty cool um and we find out at the end of this book that uh godspeed wasn't dr carver like they thought it was because he's still very much around yeah that's about that's about it yep Um, and you know, things are grim. Basically, the Flash, uh, the, the Speed Force Center thingy basically uh, gets his ass handed to it. And uh, the Flash is going to save the day. And it looks like Mina Fast Track is in a little bit of dire straits. Yeah, because all that's there is her costume. Yeah, singed and burned. Hellblazer, number one. Um, I'm digging this book. I like it. Um, I like John Constantine. Yeah. 
um, this it's also kind of a good excuse to uh, play in the in the horror comics genre a little bit because we get uh, um, very quickly and well let's let's start off the beginning we get a, a huge Donald Trump reference at the beginning yeah that was really funny um, just in terms of talking about how Hitler used to claim that he was going to make Germany great again yep ooh what does that sound like yeah uh we also see John Constantine nude and hungover as fuck. <laughs> that was really funny. Which I get the impression is not uncommon. No. that Nobody seemed to skip a beat on that. They were just like, yep, Constantine's at it again. Yeah, they're like, you have a bit to drink tonight, last night, John? And he's like, why are you bugging me before noon? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, but we get uh, Swamp Thing in this issue, which I think is, is pretty rad. I'm actually kind of a huge Swamp Thing mark. I'm not a, a horror comics fan uh by trade but i i definitely dig all all stories swamp thing um in fact i think i've recommended some swamp thing swamp thing you books in the definitely past. have and actually this made me a little bit curious like i might actually get around to that someday yeah um and and we also find out that at one point swamp thing used john constantine's body as a sex object to to bang a chick <laughs> i love that so uh that was interesting i was like well that's that's nice yeah yeah, I liked it because Constantine was like, "You sure you don't want to do that again? You sure?" Yeah. The only thing about this book to me that I didn't enjoy was so the beginning of it made sense when it was talking about the setup of uh, Franz Ferdinand and everything else that led into World War One, which then led to World War Two and all that good stuff. I also really enjoyed the backstory between Constantine and Swamp Thing and all that. This one really fell off at the end, though, with the two characters that we see at the beginning of it that. Um, we're trying to one of which was trying to stop the assassination of Franz Ferdinand. Yeah. Um, these two characters reunite at the end of this book and it just starts talking about the creator and this, that, and the other thing, which obviously we're going to see that in Constantine book because he really, he deals more with the occult and demons and all that kind of stuff than other superheroes do. Cause he's not a superhero. He's Constantine. Yeah. Um, but I was just like, eh, I don't know where this is going and whatever. I mean, I'm going to read the second issue because uh, the character of Constantine to me is entertaining enough that whether I know where the story's going or not, it's not a, as big of a deal. Yeah. Um, I just kind of thought the end of it fell flat a little bit. Yeah, I still really like this book too. Um, I, I'm and I'm definitely going to read the next one. I'm curious. Yeah. Titans. I uh, super dug this one. Yeah, I really enjoyed this one too. So Titans, they have uh, basically uh, Abracadabra. Cadabra. Kadabra, sorry. He's uh, the villain in this thing, and he's sort of engen- engineered in a situation where the Titans... He's get brought to go- the Teen Titans forward in time, it seems. Yeah, in some way, but also not entirely, because they don't seem like the Teen Titans, like, either they're being tricked or manipulated in some way, but they seem like a, they have a slightly evil bent. So uh, we get to see each of the Titans go up against their Teen Titans selves. So uh, rather yeah, than he's... seeing Wally in the red costume, you get Wally in the you know classic Kid Flash sort of costume and all of that that goes with it. So. Kadabra is totally pulling the strings on this um, yeah. as far as their behavior is concerned and whatnot. Um, I liked the Linda Park connection in this yeah, one so too because um, she sees teen titan wally and she's like hey i know you and he's like i don't know what the fuck you're talking about yeah and uh i don't think current wally actually runs into her i don't think so either uh but the mind reader chick certainly does and she's like hey you're that chick from wally's head yeah and she's like well that's creepy yeah um 
But there's lots of good stuff in here. There's uh, there's the big reveal from Arsenal to Donna Troy that yep. he's in love with her and whatnot. Um, so I'm gonna have to beat up Arsenal now. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> you could take him. Uh, probably. Yeah, I mean, obviously. Obviously. He doesn't have superpowers. Um, I like how Donna Troy doesn't have a lasso of truth. She has a lasso of persuasion. Yeah. <laughs> you want to tell the truth. No, seriously. Yeah. I'm going to tighten this damn lasso. Um, Bitch, I will choke you. But yeah. it's the whole dynamic uh, with the fight scene between um, current Titans and... It's a fun issue. Like that that whole thing, I, I just thought it was really interesting to see and read. And there was some other interesting little bits in there too that uh, you know I actually really am enjoying Titans. And if nothing else, I think that's the the main Wally centric book, which I, I'm really intrigued about, especially with the OG whole events of uh, Rebirth. Yeah, OG Wally for sure. Yeah. Um, and I'm. It again, sounded for a second like you were like on Leave It to Be Leave It to Beaver for a second. Yeah. Oh, gee, Wally, no. No, um, he means original gangster Wally, and I am uh, I'm a Donna Troy Mark. And I've mentioned that before, so yeah. I, I like those two characters specifically. I'm actually a huge fan of Arsenal too, um, yeah. Roy Harper, aka formerly Speedy, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, Aqualad, you know, take him or leave him. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Um, but uh, but definitely those two um, stand out to me. And I then think they could have come up with a better name than Aqualad. And then we almost might not have Aqualad based on the end of this book. Like the final panel is is Kadabra killing Garth or at least attempting to yeah uh, to drive the knife in a little bit deeper to Wally West because he really has a fucking mat on for Wally for whatever reason. I really doubt that we see Garth actually die, but I could care less. It'd be bold. It'd be bold. Yeah. Uh, Wonder Woman number five. We are back in the present continuity. Uh, yeah, and this. <sighs> This book started out kind of slow because there's the dialogue between Sasha and the and the one chick who's kind of uh, directing Trevor and his group. Yeah. Um, but it kind of shed a little bit of light on on uh, the relationship between Trevor and, and Diana because the, the Sasha chick was like, well, uh, how's she going to know he's there? And the other chick was like, well, here's the deal. They have a connection. Like, it, she, he, she doesn't need to know he's there in order to go help him like it's yeah. it's gonna happen it's like she'll know and then of course by the end of the book they they do sort of quasi put those characters back together a little bit so yeah um we find out pretty early in the book that trevor is kind of intended to be the vessel for uh this crazy like mad god thing who doesn't at the current time have human form yeah i don't remember what his name is because it was weird uh but the, that's the thing about the wonder yes. woman books is i'm not a fan of the alternating thing just for the principle that like the next book we read will be the continuation of the year one story. Yeah. And then by the time we get number seven, I will have forgotten how to pronounce that name. <laughs> You're not wrong. Like I, I had it while I was reading the issue and now I don't even remember what it is. And I had it during issue three when they talked about it a lot. Um, but I do really like, again, we talked about dialogue a little bit in the uh, um, detective comics book. Mm-hmm. The dialogue between Diana and Cheetah, that was really is good. probably some of the best dialogue um, you'll find in comic books. Um, it, yeah, every bit as good as the is the dialogue in in, uh, in Detective, and in, in this one, I think it might be even just a little bit more meaningful. This is definitely one of my favorite books of the Rebirth universe so far, which is funny because I've never really cared about Wonder Woman at all. So yeah. Um, I, I kind of like that. Like I, I, I like that. I'm very pleasantly surprised by this book. So same. 
Um, and then we find out at the very end of this that Sasha is not actually playing for the team that we're hoping she's playing for. Yeah, it seems like she's definitely not. We definitely don't know what her end game is at this point, but uh, definitely not not on the side of good that we no, can tell. No. So, um, anyway, again, like I said, next time we talk about Wonder Woman for issue six, it'll be a continuation of the year one story. Um, so we won't talk about the continuation of this story for a couple of episodes at least yeah so there you have it there we have it uh that is the show for this week ladies and gentlemen if you want to hear more please go on itunes or in the podcast app on your iphone and give us a rating uh you know i'm not exactly sure the best way to help us out that way on on android but by for us basically itunes you is can the get BL the podbean app yeah the podbean app has us yeah uh for sure and podcast addict you can find our feed Oh yeah. That. Well, first off, any so. podcatcher you can you can listen to our show. But if you want to help give us some uh, sweet sweet iTunes juice, we'd really appreciate it because uh, pretty much regardless of what platform you're on, iTunes is sort of the be all and end all of podcast ratings. Yeah. Uh, so we'd really appreciate that. You can also hit us up on Twitter at whatever show. Facebook dot com slash whatever show. Yeah. Yeah. We've got email. We do have email. It's questions at whatever.co. Yeah, if you're into the email thing. Um, uh, Charles At Charles E. Smith on Twitter, if you want to uh, talk about how much you like me, but you don't want to like make me feel self-conscious. Yeah. If you do want to make him feel self-conscious, that's at the brittle one, B-R-E-W. Uh, yeah. Uh, we'll see you next week. Hold on. Uh, just... Whoa. Uh, Real quick before we before we before we uh, exit out of this completely. Coming up very soon, we have TV again. Yes, we do. Um, we, Even more reason we're going to have to pare down the comic book reading a little bit. We may end up splitting um, the comics off and do a separate show. Uh, Maybe. Not necessarily with as many issues and whatnot. It may not be a, as long of a show. We might do like a forty-five minute comic book breakdown, but. Um, September 30th, I believe it is, we have Luke Cage coming out on Netflix. Yes, and then September, uh, well... And then early October... October 1st, we'll be discussing the entirety of Luke Cage, most likely. Yep, and we get, uh, in in the first week of October, first week and a half, we have all the CW shows coming back that we're going to talk about. So, Mm -hmm. um, just be prepared, and if you didn't know when they were coming out, they're coming out. We'll talk next week a little bit more specifically about the release schedule for the CW show so that you guys can follow along with us. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Have a good night.